Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. glad that you were with us this morning. My name is Michael. Uh, I'm on staff here at the church uh, as a pastor. And um, man, be, be ready for our Build Together that's coming up in November. Here's always our goal. The goal for Build Together is everyone participates. Uh, and it's not about equal amounts. It's always about equal sacrifice. Because we believe that when we uh, give sacrificially, God always responds um, sovereignly and supernaturally. And so be expecting that as we come together. Uh, like he said, this, the theme of this year's Build Together is called A Living Sacrifice. It's also what the series that we're going to start this morning is called. It is called A Living Sacrifice. It is a study in the book of Romans chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there right now. Romans chapter 12. And we're really throughout this series going to go line upon line. Uh, and we're going to begin to look at what the scripture says. Um, so before we get into it, can I give you a little bit of background of the book? The book was actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Rome. So what had happened was, that, you know, the church began in Jerusalem and uh, persecution would come and the Christians would scatter throughout the region. And as they would scatter, they began to preach the gospel. They began to preach Jesus and they made it to Rome and they began to get people converted and believing in Jesus. And so soon a church would form of both Jews that were Christians and Gentiles, which is non-Jewish people, would begin to form in this church. And then there was an emperor that came, his name was Claudius. He would depose, he would deport the, the Israelites out of, he would deport the Jewish people out of Rome. And so what was left was just the Gentile Christians in this church. And so for five years, it was just the Gentiles. Well, then five years later, the Jewish people are allowed back into Rome. And so the Jewish people, Jewish Christians come back to the church and they come to a very Gentile church. And it begins to be this clash of cultures. So the Jewish people who live a Jewish way <clears throat> comes and there's Gentiles living the Gentile way. Both believe in Jesus, but there's beginning to be this disunity about, no, you should be living the way Jewish people live. And Gentiles are going, no, we don't live the way Jewish people live. It's not about being Jewish. It's about Jesus. And so there was this debate of who's right, who's wrong, who has the moral ground, like who's more mature and who's immature. And so Paul, he writes this letter to a church that's divided. And for many reasons, he writes this letter, but for one of them is to unify this very divided church, okay? And so before we get to 12, what you see is he, he lays it out. So in chapters one through three, Paul makes this case for why everyone's on the same page because of sin, okay? Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard, okay? So pretty much what he says, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, you guys are all dumpster fires, right? Because of sin. Like you all are real, you're a real problem. And it doesn't matter whether you were Jewish or you were Gentile because of sin, man, you are separated from God. So you are all, there's no one who has higher ground or lower ground. You all jacked up, right? Then he goes to chapters four through eight and he begins to lay out this justification by faith. He says, but even though that's who you are, because of what Jesus Christ did, when you put your faith and trust in him, you are justified. You're made righteous. It's just as if you never sinned. So it doesn't matter where you came from or what your background, what matters is what have you done with Jesus? Because when you put your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden you're made new. You are righteous. You are justified. So now you are all still on the same page. You were jacked up, but now because of Jesus, you are now on the same page. You are all righteous and you are justified by faith. Then in chapters uh, nine through 11, he begins to talk about Israel and how God fulfilled this promise in Israel. And then we get to chapter 12. 
chapters 12 through 16, Paul it begins to lay out, goes, hey, now that you are righteous, this is the way you are interacting with people. Like this is how you're to live. This is how you're to interact with people within the church. This is how you're to treat people outside the church, how you interact with, uh, with officials who are over you. He's saying, listen, because of what you believe, it's going to impact, impact how you behave. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, my believing impacts my behaving. So the, Ro uh, the book of Romans is very theological. And actually it has, it has garnered the reputation of the most theological book in the entire Bible. It's very, very practical, okay? Because this, this book isn't just to build your theology because if it was just that, if Christianity was just about building a theology, then Romans would have stopped at chapter 11. But because we have 12 through 16, we know that the Bible, the word of God, this theology, this belief in Jesus is also supposed to impact my reality. Like the Bible's supposed to change the way you live your life. So Paul begins to lay this all out. And so this series, what we're looking at is the beginning of the practical piece of this book. And in chapter 12, verse one, we're gonna read it together. Uh, I will read it together. I'll read it aloud. You can just, you know, in your mind, read it. That's cool. Uh, I'm gonna read from the ESV translation, but here we go. Romans 12, one. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. It begins to talk about how we are living sacrifices. For this series, our definition of what is a living sacrifice, uh, a living sacrifice is one who worships God's way and lives out God's will. So that's what we're gonna say. We're gonna learn in this series what it means to be a living sacrifice. And a living sacrifice is one who worships God's way and lives out God's will. Today, specifically, what we're gonna really dig into, what's it look like to worship God's way? So let's, let's pray real quick. Um, Holy Spirit, I recognize you in the room this morning. Uh, I don't just make room for you. I give you the room. Uh, I pray you take the word of God, make it come alive to us. Uh, we didn't come to hear a person speak. We came to experience you, God. And so, Holy Spirit, make it come alive. May we never be the same as a result of what your word says to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to just go through this line up online. We're going to have some fun. So the first part of the verse again is, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's how he starts it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He starts with this like appealing. Like Paul is literally, the verbiage here is like he's begging them to get this. Now, Paul, he shouldn't have to do this because he just, he's just like penned this crazy theological thought that really should just allow him to take like, um, like seniority and like authority and be like, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. But because it's so important to Paul that they, the church gets not just what they're believing, but how it's supposed to impact how they live. He's literally like, the verbiage is like, he's on his knees. He's like, I'm begging with you. Please, please don't miss this. Guys, this is so important. So he starts with that. He's like, I appeal to you, therefore. Why therefore? I appeal to you because of everything that I have just said. Like, don't forget, now I'm going to begin to instruct how you're supposed to live, but don't read it in a vacuum. Understand that you can do what I'm telling you to do because of everything that I have written in chapters 1 through 11. So it's important as you begin to even in your own personal time in your reading that you never read scripture in a vacuum. You know, they say in real estate, the three rules of real estate are location, 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 right? That's why like, you know, it's very hard to buy a house in Ventura because of location, 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 right? Well, the, 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 the rules of Bible study is context, context, context. So when you see a verse that really speaks to you, you want to know more about it, don't just read the verse, read around the verse. Read what preceded it, read what comes after it, and so you can get a, a, a really full scope and understanding of what's being said. So Paul is saying this, that's why their therefore is there. Because of what I've just talked about for the first 11 chapters, this is what we're going to do, right? 
So he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. He says brothers. He doesn't say servants. He doesn't say church members. He doesn't say congregation. He says brothers. Now, this is like family positional language. Now, he's, when he says brothers, he's not just talking about like, I'm not talking about the men. He, he, some translations you might have will say brothers and sisters. Paul is talking about, hey, to those who are in the family of God, that's what he means. Like your position with God is one of a family. You're like you're not a servant of God. You are a son and a daughter of God and we're brothers. No matter where we came from, no matter what family we grew up in, in the natural, when you believe in Jesus, you're part of a different family. And that is the family of God. So you're a brother, you're a sister. You know, when I, uh, there are certain videos on YouTube and Instagram that when I watch them, like they just like emotionally move me, okay? And I don't know if that's because like I'm older and it's a testosterone thing. I don't know if it's like, cause I have kids, but like there's certain videos, like if you ever, those videos where like a deployed soldier comes and surprises their family, you know what I mean? Does that anyone else wreck you? Does anyone else get wrecked by that? Just like, oh my God. He was the mascot and then he took the head off and then all of a sudden that's the dad. You know what I mean? And this is like, I was moved. You know what I mean? And I, and, and so those get me, right? There, there's those ones where like sometimes there's those that like, uh, like they haven't been able to hear for their whole life, but then because of some advancement in medicine, like they put something on their ear and they hear their kids or the wife's voice for the first time and they're crying and I'm crying. You know what I mean? It's beautiful, man. Like the dude's never heard before. And so like, but the one that gets me the most, the one honestly that gets me the most is the one where uh, there's like a father foster kid who's been in a family and they like write the letter and it's an invitation. They're saying, Hey, we're going to adopt you. It's just like, Oh my God. Like if I think about it enough right now, I could cry. Like that's, that's how much it moves me. Like I can envision. What is that? They're like, they're in this family. And then they write this letter. like, Hey, we want to adopt you. Will you be a part of our family? Like that's what, when Paul is saying, like when he's using this verb, like brothers, that's what he's saying. He's saying before, before Jesus, you weren't a part of the family of God. That you were, and you couldn't even get into the family of God. But one, there was this time where God wrote you a letter and it was in the life of his son, Jesus Christ. And he said, hey, now because of the sacrifice he's made, I'm inviting you, I want to adopt you. I want to bring you into the family of God. That is your position with me. And if you choose to believe and accept it, you get to be a part of this thing. So that's why he calls them brothers. He says, because you're a family, you're a family member. It's so important that he establishes our position with God at this moment. Because as we continue with the verse, and as we walk through the rest of the letter, you're going to see that if you don't know where you stand with God, you could almost assume that what I need to do is to get a position for God, as opposed to, no, this is my position with God, and I, I live from this place, right? We almost look like, okay, the way I treat people, the way I act, it's going to try to convince God to love me. And Paul's saying, no, no, you are already loved by God. You're already in the family. You can't be out of the family. So it's, that is your identity. And so when he calls them brothers saying, your identity is I'm a family member of God. I am a son and a daughter. And what we're going to talk about and how you're going to live, that's just who you are now. Because you're family. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're a brother. You're a sister. So he establishes this real quick. He goes, listen, I appeal to you. I'm begging you. Please, please get this. You, if you, please don't check out. Therefore, because of everything that I just talked about before in the chapters, Everything earlier in this letter, brothers, you're a family member. You're a son and a daughter of God. How? By the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. What is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's what mercy is. Um, we have four children, and it's always you know, interesting with the four um, how each of them uniquely respond to discipline. And so my, my oldest son, Ford, he's my negotiator. Like he's always negotiating for a lesser sentence, you know? 
He does that with everything, actually. Less food that he's supposed to eat. Everything. It's, it's like, it's a beautiful thing, but then sometimes like, you know, and, um, but he's always trying to negotiate for a lesson. And if it doesn't work or if he knows like I'm not budging, he, his last play is this. He goes, mercy, show me mercy, please. <laughs> like you kid that grew up in church. You know what I mean? Your mercy of God, please help me out. You know? And it's like, it's, it makes me, I sometimes have had to walk out of the room. Gabby goes, what's wrong? Are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm going to laugh in his face. Like, I can't do this. I feel bad, but it's hilarious. He's so dramatic. But what is he asking? He's like, look, you did something wrong. You deserve the punishment you're going to get, but please, will you not give it to me? When he cries to that, right? So what Paul is saying, this, this, this position with God, like this justification by faith, you didn't deserve it. It's out of the mercy of God that you're not getting what you deserve, right? It, you des- I deserved because of my sin, I deserved eternal disconnect from God. I deserved judgment, but God did, decided through Jesus Christ that he would not give me what I deserved, but then I make a decision to believe in Jesus, I can become a family member of Christ, right? So that's what we're talking about. This is why some people say, why would a loving God send anyone to hell? It's like, God doesn't send anybody to hell. I'm already, I was already on my way to hell because of my sin. God actually made a way because he's a merciful God for me not to, to walk into hell and make a decision to believe, to be a part of a relationship with him. So that is the mercy. So I appeal to you, I'm begging you, please get this. Don't check out. This is important. Therefore, because of everything that we just talked about in the earlier verses, brothers, sons and daughters of God, that is your position. That is who you are. That is your identity. By the mercies of God, you, he did for you what you could not do for yourself. So don't think again, don't think you can earn this. So don't think you have some actual, even some moral ground over somebody because you were where you are simply because God had mercy on you. So you're no better or worse than anybody else. Then he begins to move the conversation because at this point in the verse, it's very relational. Like it's very, it's making a, a place of like, hey, this is your relationship with God. You are a family member of God by his mercy. And as we continue through this verse, what you're going to see now is Paul's gonna begin to talk about the responsibilities in that relationship. See, because every relationship has responsibilities. I'm in a relationship with my wife, Gabrielle. I'm her husband. And because I am a husband, I have responsibilities in that relationship, right? And I think it's important to know that I am in a relationship with God. And there are things that he says he will do. But there are also things that he asks me to do in the relationship. And it's important to understand that because have you ever heard the phrase, someone say, hey, Christianity, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship? You heard that? That's true. It is about a relationship. I, but I think sometimes people say that to like get away from having to do anything. Like, hey, I'm in a relationship with God, so I can do whatever I want. And, you know, Papa, Daddy, God just has to love me, you know? Like sometimes we use that as an excuse to do nothing, right? Like, hey, man, don't judge me. This is about a relationship. Like, well, I know, man, God just loves me. I'm just chilling on the house of, couch of the house of God. You know what I mean? And it's all good. No, no, no. You are in a relationship with God. You are his child. But because in any relationship, there are responsibilities to that relationship, right? So Paul begins to then, therefore, begins to move into those responsibilities. So he continues in the verse. He says this, what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. To present your bodies as living sacrifice. He uses the word present. All of a sudden now, this word is very interesting. Uh, He's been using family language up to this point, but now, Paul, you're using priestly language, because priests would present. So before Jesus Christ died on the cross and was the last sacrifice, what, the way God's people would worship him is they would bring a sacrifice. They would bring an offering to the temple and the priest would present that to God. 
So what Paul is saying is when he says to present your bodies, what he's calling those, his people, what he's calling to the church, he says, listen, you're not just a son and daughter of God. Now you are actually a priest. You are a priest. That is who you are. And priests present. Priests have things to do. He's saying, listen, you are the priest in your family. You are the priest in your home. You are the priest at your workplace. You are, the pre- you are a priest in the neighborhood. You're in the priest in your apartment complex. Young person, you are a priest in your class. You are a priest in your sports team. That's who you are. And here's the thing about priests. We have work to do. There's stuff to be done. If you look in, in Exodus chapter 25 through 28, uh, when the, this guy named Moses, you remember the Ten Commandments, white beard, staff, let my people go. You remember that guy? Uh, when he, he, God begins to download for him like the, the, the first inner working, like how he wants to build a tabernacle where God's presence will be and where sacrifices are made. And, and when you look at all the, you may have read this or sp- speed read through it because it's super boring at times, but like it has everything that belongs there. So there's like the altar, there's the Holy of Holies, the outer court, the inner court. Uh, there's all these different things. There's the Ark of the Covenant, right? That thing that Indiana Jones battled the Nazis to find. Do you remember that thing? And so there's the mercy seat that covers the Ark of the Covenant. But you know, in all the different breakdowns of what's all in the tabernacle, you know what you won't see in there is a chair. There's no, there's no holy chair in there. Why? Because we are priests. Priests don't get to sit down when they are, when they are, they got stuff to do. We got worship. We have things to offer to God. So again, we are in a relationship, but that doesn't mean we get to chill on God's couch all day and do nothing. Paul's like, you are a son and a daughter, but you're also a priest. That means there, God, listen, because you're a priest in your home, God has something for you to do in your home. God has something to do in your school. God has something to do in your workplace. God has something to do in your neighborhood. Like you are a priest and priests present. Now, what do we present? Now, back then, priests would present the offering. They would present, present sacrifices, but that's not us. We, Paul says, what do you present? Your body. He says, to present your bodies. So what do I present to God? Myself. I, I, back then, there was the offerer and the offering. And Paul is saying, now you are both the offerer and the offering. You are the priest and you are the sacrifice. You bring to God your body, Okay. Remember what we said about being a living sacrifice. It's worshiping God's way and one who worships God's way and lives God's will. And how do you worship with my body? So when we come on a Sunday morning and we're beginning to sing, it's not because we just think it'd be cool to have like a Christian karaoke moment, you know? That's not what we want here. You know, remember that the Chinese restaurant by Pierpont, there was always the karaoke. It's like, we, well, that went down. So we got to scratch the karaoke itch here, you know? And so we're going to do it on Sunday. No, why? Because scripture speaks about this. Like I, I worship God with my voice, with my hands raised, like with instruments, like that's worship, right? Because I'm a, I'm a priest. When you come in here, you don't come to talk to a priest. You're a priest. Just along with it, we are here offering, we are presenting something to God. And it's not only just our worship, but worship is your lifestyle. Your body is your lifestyle. How, how I treat my marriage and handle my marriage is worship. How I operate in business is worship. How I handle my money to God is worship. How I interact with people who don't like me and, and are more, seem like more of an enemy than anything is worship. Like that, my lifestyle. So God, Paul is saying, listen, you are to present because you are a priest and you don't present an offering. You present yourself, your body to God. And he describes it as what? A living sacrifice. Back then, you know, if you were to ask today, you know, anyone here in the Western culture, like, hey, what is religion? They would say, well, religion is a collection of beliefs and a certain way to live. But in ancient times, religion was sacrifice. 
That's what it was. You sacrificed to your deity to, to hopefully appease them or something like that. And so, so for us, we, we see in ancient times with God's people, they would present sacrifices. And when you present an animal to God that he would ask for, you never brought, brought a dead animal to God. You never, you always brought it alive and it was, a, it was perfect. It was, it had to be a, a, the firstborn. You bring this like live animal and then you bring it to the priest and the priest would put it on the altar. And then, you know, earmuff it, PETA advocates, you would sacrifice it. You know, right? You would kill it in, in, in worship to God. And so Paul calls you and me a living sacrifice. What's it mean to be alive? Well, in Ephesians chapter two, Paul begins to talk again. And in one of his other letters, he begins to talk about, at first we were dead. Chapter two, verse one, it says this, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So because of sin, Romans one through three, I couldn't even bring God anything. I couldn't bring God myself because I was dead in my sin. But then he goes on in Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So now I'm alive. So I'm a living sacrifice because when I made a decision to believe in Jesus, his spirit comes on the inside of me and I'm alive. Now I can interact with God. Now all of a sudden I can feel conviction of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden I have the power to do what God asks me to do. And so now you're alive, but you're a sacrifice. You're meant to bring your life. What am I bringing? My body, my life, who I am. And I put it on the altar and I say, God, you are the Lord of it. We sang that this morning, right? You are the Lord. You're the Lord of my life. And so God, whatever, however you instruct me to live my entire life, I will do. And here's the thing about following Jesus. The way of Jesus requires us to sacrifice. It sacrifices my wants, my needs, and my desires. It says, God, not my will, your will be done. So I'm a living sacrifice in that I'm alive, but I'm dying at the same time. I'm dying to myself. So if you were to the husbands, love your wife the way scripture tells you to love her, which is the way Christ loves the church, that will require sacrifice. Because I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning going, oh, I cannot wait to serve Gabrielle this morning. Oh, I cannot wait to just die to myself. She was such a treat last night and I'm going to respond. No, no, there, I, I, I have a choice to make. I'm a, I'm a living sacrifice. And God, you instructed me to treat my wife this way. So I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to love it. Does that make sense? God, there's a way with my finances that I'm supposed to, to live. And there are ways in scripture instructs me to handle my finances. And I put my finances and I say, God, here it is. You are the Lord of it. You're not just the Lord of getting to say what I get to do with 10%. You get to say what I want to do with all of it. So it struck me. And is it a sacrifice? Yeah, 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 it is. But I'm a living sacrifice. And because I'm alive, I can't do it. I have the ability to do it. I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. Right, the way you're supposed to handle your business with a high level of integrity and character will cost you. Because sometimes the way that, that culture says to get ahead in business into advance is a road that God says, no, that's wrong. We don't act that way. And actually in the natural, you would actually technically get there where you want to go faster, though eventually you're going to fall and crash and burn. But if the sacrifice is, okay, I'm not going to go there right now because I believe God has instructed me to live and conduct myself in a certain way. And I'm going to believe he's going to, I'm going to get there when I'm going to get there, but I'm sacrificing my desire right now because God, I'm going to do things God's way. So I'm a living sacrifice. He says to present. And you're a priest. God has something for you to do right now. Where you are. And you were to present what? Your body. Your worship, 
your life and you are a living sacrifice, there is not one aspect of my life that I don't allow the spirit of God to speak to. My life is not a pie chart where I have this segment that's like Mike and Gabby and then our kids and then my hopes and dreams and business. And I'm gonna put a sliver in there for God. No, a living sacrifice says, God, you're in every part of my life. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is off limits. If you're the Lord, you're the Lord. Then let's go. So you are the Lord. A living sacrifice. And then he uses two words to describe it. Holy and acceptable to God. Holy. Holy means set apart. Holy means not common. Holy means that like th- there was a, this was made for a reason and a purpose. So again, when you look at the tabernacle, the things that were in there, they just didn't grab from a, uh, you know, some random guy's house and throw it in there because we needed an altar. No, it was made to worship God. So Paul is saying it again, you were made to do this. That's why you were created. We were created to worship God. We were created to sacrifice to God our bodies. And so don't let your mind say, well, no, this is not, this is, this Christianity is trying to get me to be something I'm not. No, this is who you made to be. God made you. There's a purpose for your life. There's a meaning for your life. You are special. You are holy. You were set apart for this. And you are getting, you're getting beginning, you're beginning to actually walk in it. And it's a beautiful thing because you are holy. And then he says acceptable. Acceptable to who? Acceptable to God. The more and more I follow Jesus, the more I come to this realization, and you will as well. I have a choice to make. I will either live my life to please man or I'm going to live my life to please God. Because you can't do both. Because God's ways are countercultural. And there are a lot of people that won't understand it. And when you, generally in society, when somebody doesn't understand something, they mock it, make fun of it, and they belittle it. Or when someone comes across it, they get convicted by it. And when you get convicted, one of two things generally happens there. One, either they want to know more and they're interested and they lean in, or two, they persecute you for it because it makes them feel a certain way. And they call you judgmental Christian, but you're not being, you're not being judgmental Christian. You're just living out what life to pleases God and it's convicted them and they don't know how to deal with it. So they just throw judgment at you. No, you're, you're to live a life that pleases God. And so people look, you give what to the church and you do what? You guys do a what offering? That's stupid and crazy. Here's the thing. I don't live my life to please you. I, I do my finances to please God. I know you're not going to get it. It's okay, but I'm not pleasing you. Like, I know you don't understand how, how I raise my kids and how I lead my family. You think it's stupid or something like that, but you know, it's okay. I don't raise my family to please you. I raise my family to please God. Right? So I get it. But I've decided for me and my house, for my life, right? I will please him. So he has instructions. So I, he says to present, I'm a priest. I have stuff to do. I've been called for this. You've been called for this. To present your body, your life as a living sacrifice. You've been made alive in Christ Jesus. The spirit of God dwells on the inside of you. You can do this. And so you take what you have on the altar and say, God, you can speak to any of it. And I don't want to give you anything that doesn't cost me something. So I will sacrifice because I know I'm holy. I've been set apart. You've been set apart. And we will commit to live a life that's pleasing to God, acceptable to him. He ends with this in verse one, which is your spiritual worship. Your spiritual worship. Some translations say reasonable worship. The word here in the Greek is logikos, which means reasonable or logical. So what he's saying, the kind of worship, okay, what is, what, how to worship the way God wants? God doesn't want worship that is mindless worship. He doesn't want robotic worship where we just, we just give him what, what, whatever we think he wants and we don't understand why or anything. Like that's not the worship God requires. 
That's not the worship that pleases him. That word reasonable, here's what it means. It's a, worship, it's a group of people that understand who God is, what he did for them, the mercies of God, what he asks of them to be a living sacrifice, and then chooses to do it. That is the worship that pleases God. That is our reasonable worship. That is true worship. God, I bring to you, I know exactly, I was, I was just as jacked up as anybody because of sin. But because of what you did on the cross, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I've been put into the family of God and I'm no longer just a son, but I know I see it now, God, you've called me to be a priest and I'm gonna present it. I'm not just gonna present anything, I'm going to present my life as a living sacrifice because I know I'm holy and I'm, ple- and, I'm, and I'm living a life that's gonna be acceptable to you and that is the worship that you want and that is the worship I give. As we close this, this morning, I, I'd love for us to, to take communion together. I thought this would be a cool moment for us to do communion together. And so if you're, they're located on the seats in front of you and if you were in the front row, they're on your seat. But when you get it, you can stand up with me. We'll, we'll take this together. If you're with us online, feel free to grab something. But here's the communion, right? The elements, this is, um, this is the mercy of God. This is the therefore in the verse. Therefore, because Jesus Christ took stripes on his back and his body was broken so that ours would be made whole. Therefore, because he shed his blood on the cross and paid the price for my sins. He took the judgment that was meant for me because he did this. I can be a son and a daughter. I I can be a priest. I'm alive. I can offer myself as a living sacrifice. I can live a life that pleases God. I, I walk into the holiness that God has for me. I worship God the way it is acceptable to him because of this. So when we take communion, it reminds us, it's the therefore in the verse. Because as you go out today and tomorrow and you begin to be a living sacrifice, it's because of therefore this. So we take a look at the bread and let's break it together and let's take it. And as you take it, just, just have a moment of gratitude between you and your father. God, thank you for this. Thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you that I'm healed and whole. That our families are healed and whole from our minds to our bodies to our souls, healing right now taking place in this room because you paid the price for it. We have the cup. Let's take the cup together as well. God, thank you for your blood that was shed that made us whole, that restored our, our relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you. I offer an invitation this this morning. I was talking a lot about it today, being a son and a daughter, being adopted into the family. That is an open invitation for every person on the planet. But you have to accept it. It's available. The Bible says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so... On the count of three, I'm going to count to three. And if you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus, and you know your life is messed up and you know you've been far from God, but today you're wanting to make a decision to put your trust and hope and be adopted into the family, to begin to operate the way God has called you to operate, to live this life that God has for you. 
On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, because I want to just, I want to know who I'm praying for. Two, I believe there's something very, very important and strategic about raising your hand. It is your first, um, it is your first uh, sacrificial decision because I know it's awkward to raise your hand in front of somebody, but God actually instructs us to, hey, acknowledge me before men. So this is your first act, right? And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer, but on the count of three, if you've never prayed that prayer, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in the room, would you just raise your hand for me real quick? I'm going to look around the room to see if anyone's here to make that decision. Come on, thank you for that hand. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you for that hand. Come on. All right, good. All right, let's pray. Those of you who raised your hand, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And I'm simply gonna, I'm leading you to put words to what you're feeling on the inside. So can everyone, can you help me all, all out? Can we pray this together, church? Say, thank you, God, for Jesus. I believe that he is your son. Forgive me, God, of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I, can I pray for you one more moment? Every head bow, eye closed. Lean into the sacrifice. Because when you lean into the sacrifice, you begin to walk into the grace of God on your life. There's this grace that, that you tap into that goes above and beyond your understanding. And it helps you to live this life. And there's a Holy Spirit that teaches you how to live. Something supernatural happens to an area of your life when you put it on the altar. So maybe this morning, I don't know what it is, maybe there's an area where you feel like, hey, God's the Lord of most of my life, but there's certain areas he's not. May I encourage you, put that one on there. See what he does. So Father, right now I pray for the people in this place. I pray, I commission them as priests. I say they're priests. Wherever they are, you have called them to present their bodies. And I pray like never before, a changing and a shifting in their desires to want to please you, to want to honor you, to want to worship you. And so God, I bless them. I bless their marriages. I bless their companies. I bless their finances. I bless their relationships, their hopes, their dreams, God, that as they seek you first, God, you are going to take them places you, they never knew existed by roads. They never even knew were there. So come Holy Spirit. Here we are. We are your sacrifices. In Jesus' name. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.